Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's good to see some familiar faces, Larry, Lynn, Jim, uh, Ryan, and others. Uh, I'm having some flashbacks standing up here because it was July 10th, 1999. I stood just about here, and then those back doors opened, and my lovely bride-to-be came out, uh, and we got married here. Uh, we didn't attend here going through college, but... Uh, we went to Memorial, and Memorial was so huge, so we called around, and uh, you guys only charged us 50 bucks, and so we got married in this lovely place, and we just thought it was so lovely, so it was, it was wonderful, and we uh, feel a special connection here uh, ever since. I'm also happy to hear that Jeremy considers me a friend, even though he was writing uh, a not-so-factual uh, bio about me. But last time he was at, at North MacArthur, he got up and he started his sermon, uh, you know, talking about all these people he knew at North MacArthur. He mentioned every single person on the staff. He mentioned a couple interns we had. He mentioned some past interns we had. He mentioned some people that had even attended there like in the past 10 years and never mentioned my name. So uh, we were traveling, but I was watching uh, streaming, uh, the, the, the live stream. So I waited until he was about to get up on the pulpit, because uh, this was during class. Then he was about to get up during the pulpit, and I called him. And he started, you know, feeling something vibrate and feel a little awkward about it. And he looked, and then I texted him how offended I was. And so he apologized from the pulpit. So it's just, I'm glad he's apologized since and now considers me his friend. All right, missions. So thinking about missions, um, I thought of a lot of verses we could go with, all the way from, you know, words of Jesus to the Great Commission as an example and others. But then I thought, you know, start in Genesis, in Genesis. So in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pause right there. I want you to think where the birds fly or the atmosphere, this lump of rock, quite yet, because he's going to get into details as the story unfolds, but really he's creating two realities, the physical realm and the spiritual realm where God rules. So if you go to the prayer of Jesus, you know, may your will be done on earth as in, in heaven. So God is ruling, but then he creates this physical reality. It says that it is dark and void and watery. Well, the Hebrew there is fun to say, tohu vohu, which means kind of this chaos, this, this uncertainty, this darkness. And in the ancient world, water is not something like we want to have a, a beach you know, by the beach kind of thing. It was uncertain, it was, could be stormy, could, be, could bring death and tragedy, and so people were, were weary of water, especially great bodies of water, and so this reality begins like that. And in Hebrew there, there's, there's two phrases or two words for water. It starts with this chaotic 
water, and then all of a sudden you have this life-giving, calm water. And the, the reader is to be like, all right, so what, what's happening here? And the reader is to note that the Spirit of God is what hovers over it. So it starts chaotic, dark, dreary, dangerous, stormy, but the Spirit of God hovers over it, and His very presence begins a process of life-giving creation. Now, I know that in our modern world, we've got a lot of scientific questions and doubts, and we often try to kind of compare and contrast the creation story of the Bible with evolution and so forth. But when it was written, it was in direct conversation with other creation stories of that time. Now, a creation story in, in that ancient world was really about the identity of a, of a people. So you had the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, and they had their creation stories. Now, let me give you one example so we can kind of compare and contrast. So the Babylonians, their creation story also starts, but it starts with this watery existence. And from the watery existence, their, their first god self-spawns. And he then creates a couple other gods, and the three of them are going to start creating the universe. Okay? So then they create kind of a pecking order of gods. There's the top three, there's a middle class, and then there's the lower class gods, which just happened to be the way Babylon did its society. So you can start to see how creation stories validated politics, social structures, and so forth. So the lower tier gods were created to serve all the other gods. Then we have the first cosmic strike. They're fed up with it. So they go to the top gods and say, we're done. We need you to create something lower to serve all of us. So the gods, the top gods agree, and so they go to the middle class, kind of towards the lower end of the middle class, get one of them junior gods, cut the throat, blood squirts everywhere, and when the blood touches the dirt, you have humanity. So if you're a little Babylonian child and you go to your mom and you know you're already at the low pecking order and you go, Mama, when I grow up, what can I be? A servant. That's it. Because in their creation story, all of humanity was created to serve the gods. Except, of course, the political elites of Babylon that were representatives on earth of the top gods in the heavens. You start to see how that played out? So the Babylonian fam royal family could rule the universe, rule this physical world, because their top gods ruled the universe. Okay. One other thing. In the ancient world, they weren't really worried about how did we go from nothing to something, which is kind of the premise of our science debates, right? How do we go from nothing to something? 
the ancient world was really worried about how do we go from chaos to order? Because most of their lives were chaotic. And the brief moments of some kind of peace and tranquility was really sought after and really longed for. So, the ancient Babylonians, they also had part of their creation story. There was a serpent. This, this watery serpent called Tiamat, and she was the goddess of chaos. And there's a part of the story where she tries to come back into the world and bring chaos into the world, but their top god, Marduk, has this cosmic battle and fillets down the half, down the middle, and then that's part of creation in the heavens and some other things. Can you see now some similarities? Now, don't, don't start to, to, to worry that somehow similarities means the Bible is copying and it's not real. And it's all, that's not the point. The point is the Bible, the creation story, was intentionally addressing some very, very powerful, conflicting stories in the ancient world. So in this story, you don't have God. He starts out. There's not waters first. He starts out. But then the, the cosmic chaotic waters of, of, that are here, it's not some big battle. God just hovers. He's just there. And that slays, in a sense, chaos and just starts order. Now, there'll be a serpent later, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay, the other thing, we get to then... The very next thing is God, there is light. What was just read, Larry, thank you, when Jesus dies on the cross, the very first thing that returns is darkness. John's account starts by saying that Jesus is the light of the world. And so the presence of God, we're not yet talking about stars and sun, that's like day four. Here the very presence of God is light and pushes out tohu vabohu, pushes out darkness, pushes out chaos, pushes out death, and begins creation, life, beauty, harmony, peace, lovely landscaping. All right. Then we get to what was read. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Let's go there. Chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image and in our likeness. If you've ever wondered what were we, what were we created to do, I often have that conversation with students at OC. What does God want from me? I'm like, well, glad you came to my office. Glad you're here this morning. I don't know if Jim and Jeremy have clarified this to you yet, but here it is. We were created... To rule. To rule. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to imagine most of you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings when you hear the word rule and subdue and dominate, because how have we historically done that? Horrendously. Like the Babylonians, who used their whole God, you know, creation story structure to say, we are created to rule, and we're going to subdue everybody else. 
I think here we're given this kind of wink, wink, nod at the Babylonians to say, actually, we are created to rule, but differently. Because so far in the story, how, what, what has God done? That how has he ruled? Has anybody lost their heads? Any blood splatter? Any cosmic battle? Any oppression? Any violence? The very presence of God is one of peace, betterment, life, purpose. That's how God rules. So guess what we are created to do? Be image bearers, which is the very next thing, right? So God created humanity in his own image. And here's mind-blowing. Both male and female, he created them in his image. In the ancient world, most of humanity was created to be ruled over, only the royal family, and even within the royal family, the men. In this story, all of, all of humanity is the royal family. All of us created to rule, not like the ancient rulers but like the presence of God. And so God rules the cosmic spiritual world, and somehow, for some reason or another, he chose to have image bearers of him, representatives of him, here on earth to rule like he rules in heaven. Guess who that is? Or guess who that was supposed to be? Us. How have we gone about that? So then we get to chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man, humanity, from the dust. So, once again, remember the Babylonian story. We have blood of some junior god that gets decapitated, and then that blood is mixed with the dirt, and then we have these fleshy, you know, stinky little things that is us. And, and we're created to, to be ruled over. In the story of the Bible, we are a mixture of two worlds. The spiritual world of, the, of God and the physical world. And what's, what's the imagery there? We got dust, then not blood, out of some kind of violence, but the Spirit of God, the breath of God, which is a synonym of the word used in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, the, the Spirit of God that hovered over creation or over the chaos. So that same Spirit, that same power, that same type of God, the way God, Yahweh is, is in us. So we're like, Bags of dirt, not dirt bags, that's a different thing. We're bags of dirt with the Spirit of God that gives us life. So in Genesis 1, we're the image bearers of God on earth as he is in heaven. We are created to rule as God rules in a very uniquely different way than the most of those ancient empires ruled. Now here in chapter 2, we're, we're a combination of two realities, right? God, 
something divine and, and this physical realm, which, by the way, is the beginning of a category that culminates in Jesus. Jesus being God in the flesh is not random. It's because we were to be godly representatives in the flesh. But we horribly mis misuse that and still do. So Jesus comes as that done right. But then if you get to verse 15, chapter 2, and the Lord God commanded humanity, you are free to eat, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, the Lord God took humanity and put them in the garden and said, work the ground, take care of it. Okay, the word there, work, is the word abad. It is the same word used, now if we go to Leviticus, now we're much further in the story, God has pulled out of the horrible mess of humanity, another humanity, right, in Abraham, and we're going to start over. We're going to start a humanity that actually, truly, or supposed to, reflects the presence of God only in a world of gods and humanities that reflect their gods. So Abraham gets pulled out of that, story moves along, we get to a big group of people on the other side of Egypt, they're freed from the oppression of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. God comes down from the heavens, and he's doing a lot of cool things there, including giving the law. There's the tabernacle that represents the presence of God. And then there are priests who were to be intercessors between God and the people, the people and God. And the priest had duties at the temple in the presence of God. And guess what the word for the work of the priest there was? Abad. So here, the, the idea here isn't so much just let's go do gardening, which is a lovely thing, and if you're into that, I appreciate you, especially in Oklahoma. I have nothing but things dying around my house. I don't know about you, it's been quite tragic with this heat. But yeah, some landscaping there, but it's really work is to be this ministerial type of work. Every single one of us was created to be working in a priestly fashion. That whatever work we do, do it as in the presence of God, is what the priest did at the temple. Do you not remember some New Testament writers all you do, do for the Lord. That's exactly what they're saying. So, when we think of missions, I think of these two chapters. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, we're first created in the image of God. Okay? We are to be image bearers. So that's already missional by design. Because we're to represent here what God represents cosmically. Then... Out of that, we are to then do two things in Genesis 1 and 2. Rule, but rule in a way that our very presence should bring peace, light, harmony, reconciliation, betterment. And two, we are to work as if we're working in the presence of God like the priest. So it doesn't matter, back to the OC student, like, I don't know if I should do psychology or, count, or, or uh, nursing. Or, okay, it's almost indifferent if 
you abide, if you work as in the presence of God, through your nursing, through your counseling, through gardening, through, through whatever. Doesn't that sound like we're to be missional in this world? That we're to have an impact? Guess what? In Genesis 3, chaos returns. Chaos returns. The serpent imagery. And chaos returns into the world, and then the world is once again tohu vabohu. It's dark and dreary and dangerous and chaotic and, and just stormy and, and complicated. And there's power plays and there's violence and there's racism and there's all kinds of horrible things. Why doesn't God do something? Oh, but he has. He put image bearers into the chaos to abode the ground, us. Sadly, we often became more agents of the serpent than agents of God, image bearers of serpent than image bearers of God. But then he moved that story along into the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is the culmination of that done right. He is Genesis 1 and 2 done right. And why do I know this for a fact? Because in Matthew's account, when you start there, chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, you know the, the, the chapter we all skip when we're reading through our Bible because those names are rough. And then when you get a little further and it says there the birth of Jesus, those two words in Greek are the words for Genesis. What do you think Matthew is saying? In the Genesis of Jesus, wink, wink, go read Genesis. In the Genesis of the birth story of Jesus, go look at how humanity started. Because Jesus is the culmination of what God wants for humanity to do. And in Jesus, you and I can once again be image bearers, rule the way Jesus did, and work minister in a ministerial way, do our work as in the presence of God. And if you're confused that maybe God ruling in Genesis was something, you know, something more like violent, how did Jesus rule? Because Jesus, as was read, Larry, king of the Jews. That was a sarcastic remark. Because what kind of lame king was he? He didn't have an army. He didn't play politics. He didn't sit on some kind of, you know, grand-looking throne. How did he rule? Kindness, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, service. The same rule you and I are created to do. So as you leave here this morning, and I'm thrilled to hear that y'all and looking forward to listen to the, the ways y'all are partnering in missions uh, throughout. But as you walk out this morning, you are walking into chaos. And you are to bear the image of God. You are to rule, subdue that chaos. And you are to work as in the presence of God. I'm not sure if you guys have the tradition, the habit here of coming forward, but 
as, as we're going to have a song, we are going to have a song, we are going to have a song, as we're going to have a song, you can come forward and we'll be thrilled to talk to you more details about that and Jesus and good news and baptism. But as you stand, I want you to stand there in contemplation of, have I been bearing the image of God or have I been bearing the image of the snake? Why don't you come as we stand and sing?